and novelty songs. Spurs, girls, and novelty songs. Spurs, girls, and novelty songs. Spurs, girls, and novelty songs. You ever get imposter syndrome when you're playing a video game? No. Like, God, I don't know if I should be jumping on these Goombas. Do I belong here? Sorry, is Dimitri <laughs> Martin? <laughs> <laughs> that's high praise. Hey, that's high praise. Yeah, Kelly's I like that's Dimitri not be, Martin. Yeah, Kelly's not going to be mad about that. No, <laughs> oh, he's way older than he looks, though. Yeah, he's like 95. Yeah, that wasn't an insult. I was just commenting <laughs> on how that reminded me of the format of a Dimitri Martin joke. I'm not trying to shade you. <laughs> All right. What, what comedian would each of us be, Scott? You, Scott, you, you, you get I'm Kelly Bill Burr. God be damn Lewis it, Black. No, Lewis Black. You fucking Lewis angry Black. Shaking my two fingers in front of my face. <laughs> Lewis Black for Scott. Marty is Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Storms out of interviews. <laughs> yeah, famous. <laughs> I don't have to take this from you. I I've been done comedy forever. I don't need to do this, Mark Marin. Marty is um Nick Swordsman. What's his name? Oh, Swartzen. Swartzen. That is not true. That is an insult to Marty's comedy. I was just silence. trying to think of something insulting. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's that's a good that's a good like oh, as a comedian that That's a good just like nobody would want to be that. We don't need to yeah. finish this bit. It's fine. No, I'm having fun. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, oh yeah, call me Nick Swartzen. You mean that famous, successful comedian? Yeah, he's oh, rich. sorry. Good friend of Adam Sandler, Nick Swartzen? Oh, yes. whatever. Gets to yeah. take a vacation every three years when Adam Sandler makes another movie? Oh, no. Yeah. I'd be so lucky to be him. Tell him, Marty. Fine, you're... Who would Marty be? Jeff Dunham. <laughs> All these gimmicky comics. comics. That's like the way. You just do gimmick comics, and that's it. Uh, Yeah, you'd probably be um, Lenny Bruce. Oh, Uh, telling it like it is. Because you're always, yeah, you're always drinking like Manhattans or whatever. I'm always smoking. You're on Mrs. Meisel. (laughs) My good friend, marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Pushing Mm -hmm. for freedom of speech and uh, weird social injustices, but also. Actually, you know what? On this podcast, Marty, you are Rodney Dangerfield. No, I know exactly. Okay. You know who's, you know who Marty's looking for? He's Scott Ackerman, baby. I wish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you're. Mm-hmm, I think you. Mm-hmm. Honest. I'm just saying. We we did the hypothetical. Which comedian would you be? Oh God! Now I, I don't, think Scott Ackerman. Now I want to cut all this. Annoying. Out. <laughs> loves wordplay. The only person who would make the laughs hey, at his I'm own almost jokes. ready joke. <laughs> As I laugh at my own joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll take Rodney Dangerfield. That's the one I'll accept. Hey, I don't get no respect in here. Welcome to Spoof Scoofs and Novelty Songs. The podcast that don't get no respect. The podcast hey. about dumb shit, George Bush. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, Lewis. who am I? You're Dimitri Martin. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> He's down. He's down now. I'm not Acoustic down. guitar. I'm just, I need to find my guitar and play it so that you don't cut out any of my jokes. I see the case right behind you, Kelly. Go get it. That thing is not tuned and probably needs <laughs> new strings four years ago. This week we're reviewing Mars Attacks, a 1996 comic science fiction film based on the infamous cult trading card series of the same 
name. Directed by Tim Burton, who is coming off his career-high run of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, and Ed Wood. This film was considered kind of the end of Burton as a beloved, critically acclaimed director, though he's obviously made huge movies and also critically acclaimed movies since then, so this, this perception is a little weird. Anyway, often I say... This movie has an all-star cast, but this movie in particular has a crazy all-star cast. Jack Nicholson, Glenn Close, Annette Bening, Pierce Brosnan, Danny DeVito, Martin Short, Sarah Jessica Parker, Michael J. Fox, Rod Steger, Tom Jones, Natalie Portman, and Jack Black all feature in this cast. Truly A-list talent. The idea had been developed in hell for years before it was finally pitched to Burton who was in the middle of making Ed Wood and felt that Mars Attacks could be his great homage to the films of Ed Wood, as well as to other 50s sci-fi B-movies. The original script was budgeted at $260 million, which was absurd at the time. Mm-hmm. It was cut down to a much more manageable $60 million. The biggest changes being they went from 60 leading cast members to 23 and worldwide destruction down to three major cities, basically. Uh, quite famously, this movie was released the same year as Independence Day, which effectively killed its chances at standing out as an alien invasion flick, which led to poor reviews and not very much success at the box office. Though people did compliment how authentic it felt as a sort of uh, B-movie monster movie. spoof. Yeah. So, gentlemen, what did you guys think of Mars Attacks? <laughs> Kelly? I I'm gonna talk for like half an hour, so you should. All right, I'll, I, I'm quick. It was fine. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, it was what a surprise. Like honestly, I'll, I'll say what I've said. I think I've said it before on this podcast. I've said it a billion times to all my friends. This is a movie that I've always avoided watching because the VHS cover of it at my local movie rental store scared the shit out of me. It was terrifying. I did. I wanted nothing to do with this movie. Uh, I've been in rough mental shape the past week and a half and thought that this movie might push me over the edge into a panic attack. It didn't. Uh, but it was. Uh, it was crazy. Like honestly, it's you don't hear about this movie being like, oh, this person's in this. This person's in this. This person. Like everyone's in this movie. It's like. It's honestly like if you're a star in the 90s and you weren't in this movie, you missed out. Like, you fucked up. Because that's like how it felt was just every, the introduction scenes is crazy. It's just a star, A-list celebrity, A-list celebrity, A-list celebrity. It's fucking wild. Um, and then the movie itself, the content of it, like, really just goofy sci-fi. The aliens being CGI somehow, like, holds up, sort of. Like, it's not... It's it's not the greatest, but they, like, I think they worked really well with what they had back then, which, like, back then, honestly, one of the harder things to animate, and still one of the harder things to animate, in my opinion, is eyeballs. So what they did was just have the eyeballs be all the way outside the alien characters' heads. They also mixed that with a lot of alien models in the movie, too, uh, so that they had something to go off of, and I think they worked well with whatever, whoever was doing the computer graphics for this movie worked really well with the practical effects people because they said, this is the model, use this. Like, and probably worked well back and forth. Um, And then you get, like, the weird, cheesy, like, guns that the aliens had that they would shoot people with, turn people into skeletons with. I don't know. It just, like, it caught me off guard. It was entertaining. It was was a fun movie. Like, it's not... It's... 
I'm surprised more people don't talk about it. I'm surprised it doesn't have a bigger cult following than it does because I have I like never hear about this movie. So that's my take on it. And uh, the cover is way scarier than the movie itself. I would say. <laughs> don't be intimidated, people. Yeah, don't be scared. Just go ahead, just open up the VHS, pop it in this player. Come on. I loved this movie. Um, it doesn't ever really feel like it's called a spoof movie. It's not a. It's more homage than spoof. It's more just doing kind of the. It's doing a fifties B movie, but with a gigantic budget and great actors. And Tim Burton's attention to detail for uh, production design, in particular, and, and mixed with the CGI elements, is phenomenal. It holds up so well today, minus for the uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, Pierce Brosnan autopsy stuff. That stuff doesn't look as good as everything else. But overall. As an homage to B-movies, it's amazing. As just a movie to watch, it's so engaging. I genuinely was so into every single plotline in this movie. It just gave you a little taste of these characters' lives, and they gave them enough characterization to care about what's going on. And it did all the... And it just worked. It just works from the get-go. They they also played the, the spectrum of, like, uh, not to do D&D here, but they did, like... They every character is in a different chart alignment, right? There's like a lawful good character. There's a chaotic neutral character. Like everybody is aligned really, really well in this movie. So you kind of know where they're going to stand as things start breaking down and the alien invasion starts taking over. And in general, like along with all of Burton's other work, it's such a good like parody and satire of Americana and American culture at the time, particularly like a post Reagan kind of America uh, is great attitude. Like it's a great parody of that like the americans in this movie are so oblivious to the idea that somebody might attack them and the fact that they play on that as a goof the whole movie is done perfectly this movie is except for the ending this movie is perfect the ending is a little weak but the rest the first like two hours of this movie is like awesome it's such a i was blown away at how much i love this movie so it's uh, Sunday, January seventeenth, when we're recording this. So this is pre. This is a pre-inauguration uh, record, and the reason I say that this movie I think is like so fucking prescient for like the moment that we're in. Watching this like shortly after the the storming of the Capitol just had me. I think this movie is such a great. And I don't know if this is intentional. I feel like it is at least somewhat. This movie is such a great um, analogy for like uh, dealing with like fascism or like the appeasement of like fascism. The the people wanting like unity with the <laughs> the Martians. Yeah, I, it's it's Jack Nicholson and is is like the perfect like metaphor for like the. And this is where I feel like it's not like intentional. I don't know. I can't tell. Jack Nicholson is the perfect metaphor for like the the way the Democrats are like handling this oh, moment that's right entirely now. Intentional. That's yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because because I think because there was so much about like uh, the appeasement of like um, Hitler before like World War Two, yes. and then that also probably like was um, inside these fifties monster movies that uh, Tim Burton is basing this whole thing off of. That I was just like I was just blown away by like how like. Um, yeah, just like relevant, this movie like felt to this like moment that we uh, are finding ourselves in right now. It was just uh, yeah, super interesting. And then on top of that, it's just a really fucking fun movie. Like that's the thing is like it's it's 
on the surface level, it's just like, right, you have this like great, like all star cast and there's all these like, you know, crazy destruction scenes and all this wacky CGI and it's very like cartoony and um, yeah, you can just have a lot of fun watching this movie on a surface level. But I was like wondering the whole time, like, what are they trying to say? Because I was also like a little like... um, thrown off by like so the only person who was right in this movie is the bloodthirsty general like that's like the only character who had like the right response this whole time (laughs) that seems like kind of a shitty message but then i think that's it's it's supposed to have you thinking like yeah so because obviously that guy's a prick so like nobody's really right in this whole movie even though the general did have the right response, I still don't think he's obviously he's not the good guy in this movie either. Yes. That's all. <laughs> the general character, I think it's supposed to be a take on B, the 50s B movies because it's like usually in those older sci-fi movies, it's always like the, the army always like attacks first and ruins everything. So I think they were trying to do a twist on that, which is like, no, the army was actually right to want to attack right away. Like, and I, I thought that was like, I agree with you. It's like messaging wise. I think it was just meant to be like, it's meant to be funny that the general's right. I think more than anything, but it's also doing a take on strange love. Right. So it's doing a take on Dr. Strange love. And like, that's kind of the bit with that too, is like uh, the gung ho general who wants to like, just nuke them. And he's wrong in the end. Also like Scott saying like, it's so relevant is because of, like they're calling for peace they're calling for peace but it's like you already saw the first time and you worry about like misinterpreting it and then the second time it like happened and the same shit went down and then there's yes. like even i feel like there is even like a third time in the movie of like i don't well, know down maybe to jack the, the very last thing jack nicholson does is try to uh appease them yeah and they like do the Paris the par- they cut to a Paris a uh, 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 French politician who's like, Being like we got oh, we've made an agreement <laughs> we did it <laughs> they just the the recurring thing of like the aliens saying like oh we want to make peace now and everyone's just falling for that so stupidly like at the time people I don't know people probably were like ah that's a little like convenient but it's like no this is this is how this fucking goes like people are just like so dupable sometimes because of how they think how great they are that. Somebody would want to make peace with them. Of course they want to make peace with us. We're humans. We can offer something to them. It's like, no, you're dealing with a, you're dealing with like a literal plague for lack of a better term. Like these aliens are here to exterminate you. Like that is literally what's happening. Uh, all of, and all of that stuff is so funny. Like the aliens, like being like pranksters is the funniest part of this movie. Like, <laughs> just, just like, pull, like pulling like fucking weird gags, like fake arms and stuff. And like the alien dressing up as a woman who, uh, <laughs> convinces martin short to let her into the thing by not saying anything martin short is just so horny that he's willing to let her he like into talks the White himself House. Yeah. into it yeah yeah it's well, so they, funny they set that up really well too like earlier in the film like honestly i think if that happened without them setting up him being like into that what is it debauch debauchery 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 uh when he was in the limo he pulls up to some women working the corner and asks them for a good time. So, like, it's set up that he is a horny man willing to, like, bend the rules to, like, get what he wants. So, them doing that with the alien creature posing was, it was just very nice. It's all they needed also. Like, the characterization in this movie is very lean, but it's very to the point and 
compelling enough. Like you just needed like Martin Short is horny to set that up later. And it's perfect. I was just going to say they do set up like the aliens have certain weaknesses. They're freaked out by animals was like one of their weaknesses. Birds. I think it's just birds specifically. No, because they do the dog too. And when he's about to kill the president, he like the dog. I think it's well, I think the the thing with the dogs is that the dogs can sense that the aliens are bad because before like when they first land like out in the desert like before um, dogs are barking at the tv while it's yep. on camera yeah 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 well yeah. that it, when it happened with the with the president and first lady though the dog like didn't react until the mask was off and that shit was going down but yeah yeah i get what you're saying and just like I, I just think that the alien was freaked out by the dog in that scene is all i'm like just small weaknesses that come up in different scenes he shoots the bird as well when he's got the gun to the president's head like i don't know it's just nice it's just a nice touch like you don't have to have that level of depth in a movie like this and they did and i think that makes a big difference i was just gonna comment on the um the actress who plays like the uh alien in a woman disguise um did such a great job with her like not saying anything, but having such a like strange physicality. Like mm-hmm. it was like very, it, uh, it, it felt like something they would, you know, pull in like a fifties B movie, but like modernized, like somehow, like it, 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 I don't know. It's still, it was like still like unnerving even to like a modern audience, like just, um, and like how she like walked, like she was like, like she had like Heelys on or some shit. Like, Good job. Yeah, the dir- the direction of it, just yeah. Tim Burton like crushed it. I don't know. It's it's it makes sense that he's as overhyped as he is nowadays. I think. Yeah. Because like of movies like this where he just fucking nails it. I like when I like when Tim Burton makes stuff where I don't know it's Tim Burton immediately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like he doesn't fall into his own aesthetic tropes. Yeah. It's usually better when he fucking stretches outside of that yeah like alice in wonderland for example (laughs) you love that movie (laughs) uh yeah like i think because i think at this point he had already kind of peaked in terms of doing the like tim burton style like he had done scissor hands batman returns those are like max tim burton going all out with the german expressionism this is like still doing that kind of thing but it's a little more it's a little more just like fits in the world a little bit better more american expressionism yes yeah Thank God he grew up in the suburbs, because otherwise, what would he draw from? Because he is just like, this guy hated the suburbs. Yeah. (laughs) He's pissed about it. He does not like that arcade. God damn it. Let me take that again. arcade fire. He hates it. The arcade fire album. He hates it. (laughs) Oh, shit. That's what you were actually going to. I thought I was making a joke on. (laughs) Sorry. I just like stole that. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. That's okay. (laughs) Your great minds think alike, Scott. Uh, I like that the cities that they chose were DC and then Vegas for the other city. It was like, yes, I love that. Yeah. That's where it feels like it's definitely pointed at like Americana at this time specifically. Like it's very, I think, pretty clear what they're going for. And yeah, then they did like the desert, right? One That's the other city. Like someplace in New Mexico, I just I don't remember the city exactly. I think I I don't know. It might, it might just be two cities. I thought it was all D.C. and Las Vegas, unless they count that brief cutaway. It's a Perry. It's a Perry. Yeah, <laughs> maybe because it's the 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 like um the kid living in the country with his family in the desert. Is that meant to be like outside D.C. like Las Vegas? I mean, I feel like I feel like DC? it is. Yeah, that the, okay. yeah, the, the famous uh, <laughs> the famous the famous Virginia desert. desert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
there's a swamp inside of it. I think one of the treats of this movie was you have a like at least to me it's a star-studded cast. I don't think all of these actors were at their peak. They were probably on the some of them were at peaking and some of them were on the up when this came out. I don't what year did this come out by the way? 1996. Okay, yeah. So like Jack Black probably not even known at all. Not no, a known quantity. So no. there was there's a lot of actors in this where it's just like, whoa, man, they're going to kill off this person and this person. Like, they kill the people off, which is kind of fun. Because you don't, like, it's, watching it in this era, you don't know when it's going to happen. But, like, all of these people, it feels like, went on to have, they were either having successful ass careers or they went on to have even more success. Yeah. Great success. Jack Black's the only one who I think wasn't like a known commodity. Because even like Portman, Natalie Portman had already done Leon the Professional at this point. So people yeah. knew she was like up and coming. Uh-huh. Um, and like Lucas Haas had done his like bigger movies already too. So yeah, I like yeah. the uh, oh, Ray J's in this. He's one of the children. Whoa, that really? Shoots guns at the White House. Yeah, that's Ray J. What the fuck? Sam called that out and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> wow. Uh, I love the, like, it has a lot, this movie, the other thing is, like, I think if you stick with one of the plot lines too long, gets a little boring, gets a little tiresome, it bounces back and forth and draws correlation between the storylines really well, uh, the boxer, his kids being in Washington, D.C., why the kids were going to Washington, D.C. just to, like, go on a tour that day, kind of bugged me like it's a little too convenient but also it's like who cares it's like supposed to be a b-movie type situation um and then them like them having the kids always before that shooting like a very similar looking alien figure on a video game and then going to the white house and actually shooting aliens very funny and them also taking control being like what are you doing get the president out of here like the president (laughs) so good the kids are so good yeah that is so good yeah, I love that, and I love the, like I said, the correlation between the boxer and, yeah, him being like, i got to get to Washington, D.C., and you kind of wonder, like, is he going to make it? And he doesn't, but... Um, he does. Well, he does, like, at the very, very end. At the very end, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. he, when they're, that's, like, after the alien. Yeah, his arc is, like, getting beat up, and you think he's dead, and then the the big, like, conclusion to his arc is, like, just kidding, he's okay, <laughs> he off screen he's actually fine yeah. the, the more unexpected moments of the movie is him just being like no guns let's duke it out and then the alien just being like yeah let's go <laughs> they do and he beats them all up yeah it's, hilarious. it's crazy it's kind of like okay that is not that was one thing that's like oh the aliens haven't done any of that throughout like everyone's been calling for peace and stuff but i guess like no one's ever tried to just be like let's fight let's fist fight this <laughs> yeah so and they maybe, do it we don't yeah. know what they're obviously they have a warlike culture, but they still may have an honor system in their <laughs> society. We don't know. Yeah. The Jim Brown Pam Greer arc in general, I I was glad that they landed on that as like the emotional core of the movie because it really worked. It, I really like I was like invested. I was like as much as they weren't like doing too much with that plot line besides just like he wants to get back to his uh estranged wife and kids. It's like perfect. It was just all it needed to be to give us somebody to cheer for in this movie. And it was the, the contrast to that to me was Sarah Jessica Parker and Pierce Brosnan's like love plot line, and I was like so uninvested in that. It was it was like- funny 
I thought when they were doing the TV show, I was like into it. I thought it was funny. And then as soon as they start adding the shitty CGI element on top, it's like so distracting and ruins any like comedic, like fucking chemistry between the two that like, yeah. Yeah. And just unfortunately, like it, it was a good idea that just like the execution just didn't allow for it to pan out as good as it should have been. Yeah, I wish they had used that as, like, more of an insight into the culture of the aliens. Not that I wanted to know, like, their intentions or anything like that, but I just, like, they just didn't use that enough to, like, justify it being in the movie. Well, like, here's my like fucking we cutting to them hot take. I would not mind a sequel to this at fucking all, or, or like, a reboot or, like, something. I think that... I Tim, Tim, if you're listening, man, fucking dip back into this shit. Yeah. Because we're loving it. Tackle a different aesthetic than fucking Corpse Bride, please. Yeah, haven't you had enough? And don't put fucking Helena BC. Helena Bonham Carter played the alien uh, in disguise. Oh, shit. (laughs) Well, then she was one of my favorite parts of this movie. And make sure, make sure she's in the sequel. (laughs) She was unrecognizable with that blonde wig. Wow. Yeah, she's... I gotta do is change her hair color. Oh, then yeah, one of my favorite elements. Never mind, she's in. <laughs> I wanted to compare this to uh, the Onion movie for a second. This is how you do a multimedia approach to a story. The Onion movie we talked like I remember like that was like my biggest gripe was like it just didn't understand how to do like a good multimedia approach. But I thought the idea could have worked. This is how you do this. You just like this this executed the idea of like you're watching kind of television as you're like moving through these things and. Uh, using that as a way to, like Kelly was saying, like using the storylines of the side characters to lead into other side character storylines and how they all fit together is like so seamless in this movie. It just feels like natural. Like we cut to uh, the next storyline at the right time every single time. I was just like, this is so just. And you can always edited. do like you have such a great since like almost like half of the uh, characters are either people who would be on TV or people who make TV, then you can always cut to whatever character you want watching that thing on TV. Right. Yeah. And dude, remake this movie, make it like, you know, there's a social media influencer, like a fucking like conspiracy theorists, like, yeah, remake this movie and do the same thing or, 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 or a sequel. Like, no, because I, because I, because th- I don't want to see the world at the end when it's fucking Natalie Portman and um, fucking Jeremy spoken class today yeah. being like Lucas fucking, has. fucking. Uh, <laughs> these, I don't want to live in the world where it's just two Gen Xers being like, I think it'd be kind of cool if everyone lived in tippies. That was so funny though. That was clearly it was, meant as to, a bit. It was funny, but bit. I'm saying I don't want to see that sequel. Right, that's that's right, all I mean. Right. As a bit, yeah, I've and very much enjoyed. That was a very funny moment for that character. But like, um, just like giving him the stage when he was not prepared for it. Very yes. goofy. Like <laughs> honestly, a breath of fresh air compared to like how movies usually end. Yeah, or or Natalie Portman just being like, I think that would be appropriate. <laughs> yeah. The only part of this movie I didn't like is the country song aspect. And I kind of li- it's like I like it sort of, but I just think it's like not uh, there's just something about it that just doesn't feel like done perfectly enough. Like it's either not set up enough or like it kind of just feels like r- out of nowhere. The movie kind of ends really quickly. Like they just like 
They discover that this country song causes their heads to explode, and then suddenly, like, everybody in the world knows to use this against them. What's and not that, that I, um, Latin term for that? Is it deus ex machina? Or it's like yes, deus something, yes. where it's like yes, just that yes. thing that randomly comes in and saves the day at the end, sort of out of left field. God out of the machine. That's too fucking scholarly. It was kind of that, and it's like, I, I liked that they had that, because I think it's... Uh, Every one of these movies has that kind of at the end where we're like, oh, it turns out onions kill them. Get the yeah. onions. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. right. It's, it's, you know, it's a spoof of like B movies and that's how a lot of yeah. B movies, they that's, had that's to fair. use that. So, but I, I, but I, I agree. It could have been some, I don't know if that was the most clever one of those things. It could have been something else that I think that it's, yeah, the the actual variable that caused the aliens to like blow up with the being at the country song, I think that sort of sucked. But the person that introduced it, I really liked having it be like yes. the grandma who's out of her fucking mind, and like you, you kind of know something like she's gonna play into it somehow. And the kid's like, no, I don't really feel like dying for this trailer. I'm gonna go save grandma instead. Like you kind of know something's gonna happen with the grandma that'll save the world i feel like but i didn't know what it was um and i was a, a little bit disappointed by the, the aliens reveal. are like oh this lady doesn't know we're here instead of just normal vaporizing <laughs> yeah. her let's put together very slowly and meticulously this large cannon so we can yeah. just fucking blast <laughs> the back of her head and that's that? why she doesn't die because <laughs> the alien it is the alien so what do we know about the alien we should write this down what do we know about <laughs> the aliens we they're they're warlike they they love to they're full of trickery like they love to pretend to make peace just to Eas- kill you easily spooked by animals easily spooked by animals and can be like sniffed out by dogs like we need like nitrogen to breathe in our atmosphere, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, their heads explode when they hear yodeling or whatever, and they only talk in ack ack ack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, they love pranks, like, and and they kind of get like um human cultural references like they know that it's funny to take a tourist photo in front of the Taj Mahal right as they're blowing it up yes. or or maybe it's or but then I realized that first I thought they were doing like a funny prank like oh my god they're fucking like clowning on us on top of all this but then the fact that they took the picture right as they were blowing it up maybe it was genuinely like this is a memento for us not not yeah, that, yeah, yeah. not that it's the Taj Mahal but that we're blowing it up they're not taking right. a photo in front of a uh, wonder of the world they're taking a photo in front of a cool big explosion they made yeah so so they they just they have uh like tourist culture and mementos i think is actually what that meant yeah they do the uh, mount rushmore thing they replace all the heads with uh alien heads <laughs> yeah. so it's like they they are they're an advanced uh species they're just little fuckers that's all there is to it they're really the gremlins they're the real hey. Oh my right. god, god forbid if they ever team up, we're done. Whoever oh, wins, we lose. Man. Can you imagine a crossover? Tim Burton should do a Gremlins movie. Guys, <laughs> we got to oh end the god. podcast. I got to write some letters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As a movie, 9 out of 10. I genuinely loved this movie. Slight markdown for some of the This is what I said. Everything in this is excellent except for some parts and those parts are just good. There's nothing that's like bad in this movie it's all just like good 
to excellent. It's a 9 out of 10. If I was doing decimals, this shit would get like a 9.5 out of 10. This movie fucking ruled. Uh, as a spoof, 6 out of 10. Because it's more homage and satire than spoof. There's a lot of good spoof jokes in this movie. There's a lot of funny gags. It kind of parodies Dr. Strangelove a bit. There's like the war room that looks exactly like the war room, kind of, from Strangelove. But it's like clearly more loving and more homage and more kind of just like doing the things that those movies did rather than having a big, strong comedy take on it. Um, But above average for the most part, because there's a lot of good spoof jokes in this. It's just like not necessarily the main goal of the movie. Nine out of ten as a movie. It was fun it was a pleasant surprise it's not nearly as scary as that vhs cover that i pointed out i still hate the idea of woman head on uh chihuahua body that that spooks me out i also will admit that every time the aliens like would murder people and their skeletons would appear i did out loud say jesus <laughs> like every, without My fail God. i don't know what was it might have been the two beers that i had that i was drinking while watching the packer game or what but like yeah every time i was just like oh my god how could they good god above <laughs> uh and then i give it like an the eight skeletons out of ten as are spoof. green and red damn it yeah, yeah depending on what gun they used uh <laughs> and i give it an eight out of ten as a spoof uh i think it's i don't know i i, I it's probably a little high for that, but it is mostly like an homage to B movies, as far as I know. Um, but I think they nailed it. It was it it holds up too. Like it's, I mean, as far as my goopy brain's concerned, it was entertaining and um, it didn't feel like a like the CGI didn't hold it back as much as I thought it might. As so. a movie, nine. I do do decimals. 9.6 out of 10. This movie is very, very fun to watch. I like to watch all the people in the movie for the reasons that I said over the past 37 minutes. Uh, (laughs) As a spoof, yeah, like 4 out of 10. It's like uh, Marty said, it's really more of a homage um, uh, than a spoof, but there are like definitely like they're making jokes out of tropes you've seen in in monster and alien movies so good on him for that i say and you guys <laughs> i have a novelty song uh you guys remember this song this is kind of like a one hit wonder methinks from the 90s crash test dummies Mm-mm-mm-mm. you remember this gem i do uh, remember it but i don't remember it's the, that's the name of the song? Who's it by? The Crash Test Dummies. The name of the song is not Crash Test Dummies. The name of the song is by the Crash Test Dummies. Oh. And guess what? It goes a little something like this. Well, wouldn't you know it if uh, Weird Al parodied this little fucking tune from the 90s. But before we hear Weird Al's take, I'd like to ask you, uh, where did this, the, where did the Crash Test Dummies version reach on the Billboard Top 100? Five. Mm. It's uh, uh, four, four. Oh my God, Marty. 
you were one off. Kelly, you were exactly on. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Wow, good guessing, gentlemen. That was incredible. Yeah, it reached number four. Okay, well, the, Marty, you may have a chance to redeem yourself. We have the data here showing where it ended in the year-end chart. The year-end chart for 1993 is when this came out. Where did this end on the year-end chart? 17. Kelly? Uh, t- 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 uh, 16. It was 35. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> Suck it, Kelly. <laughs> I was going to guess 20, and then I didn't. So there's plenty to say on this weird song. He's got a super deep voice. It's like a very unique kind of strange song. The lyrics are kind of foreboding and ominous. Well, here's Weird Al's version. It's called Headline News, and, and we'll take a listen in a second. And uh, I think... Obviously, we'll you know play our usual little snippet, but for for what I'd like to discuss, you actually have to listen to all three verses. So, uh, listener, pause your podcast, jump on YouTube or whatever, and listen to Headline News by Weird Al, and here's a little taste of it. Swore that one day she would be a figure skating champion, and when she finally made. Let's break down this song because there's a really a lot to unpack here. Uh, so yeah, that first one was I don't know the name of this kid, but yeah, these these are all like sort of like super sensationalized, kind of like human interesty pieces from the early '90s that weird is uh, summarizing in these songs here. So the first one I don't know the name of this kid, but yeah, it's about like I think this like high school kid who went on a trip to. Singapore or whatever and uh, got caught doing graffiti and you know the laws there are that if you do graffiti the punishment is like 40 lashes with a cane Uh, and so there was like a big controversy over like do we allow them to smack this kid's hiney uh, uh, with a cane Um, and it was a whole thing and and he did (laughs) end up getting spanked by uh you know the the government um there and um i say rightly so this is not so the reason i wanted to do this song is because i take umbrage with two out of the three of these uh retellings that uh weird al has done the first one don't care whatever (laughs) it's he shouldn't have done that uh so Another fun fact in pro wrestling, uh, the Singapore cane, I think because of this situation became like a big popular weapon. And there was a lot of like, oh, I thought that was like <laughs> storylines. What were you going to say, Kelly? Kane isn't Kane a wrestler too? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, but, <laughs> they would pick but him up by his ankles and smack people's butts with Kane. His brother-in-law is also, he goes by Singapore cane. <laughs> uh yeah i think the character sandman caned uh tommy dreamer and it was like a big thing i think it's because uh, it's like non-lethal like for sure like there's no way to like seriously harm someone but it also like really stings and hoits and gives you a welts and it's humiliating more than anything like it's yeah, a yeah, exactly. grown man spanking another grown man absolutely anyway so yeah that one um 
don't care. Sounds like a like punk suburban teen uh, abusing his white privilege in another country and getting his fucking comeuppance. The second two are the ones that I have a problem with. So, uh, Marty, while we were uh, listening to the song, commented on how. So, the so the the next two stories are in order: um, Tanya Harding and uh, Lorena Bobbitt. Um, who I'll just cut to the chase. I think were like demonized in in the nineties. Um, obviously, you know those two stories got super sensationalized in the news, and um, I, the I, there have been media on on both that has come out in like recent years that like kind of talk about how in retrospect, uh, both of those women were treated super fucking poorly by the media. So for Tanya Harding, watch that movie, I, Tanya, uh, it was all the husband and the fucking dumb friend who Marty commented on in the Weird Al music video. Uh, they, um, they got two people who looked exactly like those guys. And it's because, yeah, those guys were on TV like a bunch because, uh, they were on the news. And, and so, yeah, he knew to get a fat mustache guy and yada, yada. And then the second one, Lorena Bobbitt. So he says like once there was this guy who made his wife so mad one night that she cut off his wiener. He was abusing her. <laughs> He's beating the yeah. shit. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's a really, that's an interesting way of saying that he was smacking the shit out of her every night. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, yeah. like, yeah. So anyway, I just think that obviously like uh weird Al was just kind of following the narrative that um, the news media was putting out at the time, right. but it's still irresponsible. Weird. I demand that you. Uh, <laughs> I demand satisfaction. I demand that you good about apologizing for things. I demand that you apologize by redoing this song and make <laughs> it about modern news stories about people who are actually assholes and deserve to be mocked. But that's the thing is like, uh, so Tanya Harding, for example, like she's still like kind of at fault. Uh, wasn't like totally innocent in the situation, but yeah, I agree with you that like. The 90s also in particular felt like a real peak of like, um, I mean, everybody knows this, but it was like cynicism was at its peak. And especially in the media, cynicism was at its peak where it's like, yeah, going so far to demonize people, even if they don't like wrong. also make them celebrities like, yes, the yes. Menendez brothers fucking yes, um, what's her name? Polarizing <sighs> stories about these yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah, or just, like, you could have a whole news cycle on just, like, look at this asshole. And it would just, it's not, like, a, like, celebrity or, like, a politician or anything like that. It's just a citizen that, like, if you do something crazy enough, uh, then, um... It's before we had Twitter. Yeah. Bean Dad. Put Bean... Weird Al, do, redo this song, put <laughs> Bean Dad in there. Oh, we don't talk or about like, that. Who else? Uh, who, who else? Kelly likes that podcast. No, I don't. Oh well, okay. So the, the, I think you the can still like the podcast. Just no, don't hold defend on. Bean Dad. The he John Roderick had his own. He has his own podcast with Ken Jennings. I don't like oh, that yeah. podcast. Is that that's really the true? real yes. Bean Dad? Yes, yes, oh, yes. I thought we were talking about Mabimbe. I didn't know there was a whole. No, separate... that's what I'm saying. Is that there's a there's a difference? Like, yeah, as a goof, Mabimbam is the Bean Dad podcast, but not really. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. an act. There's an actual Bean Dad podcast when you think about it. So, anyways, yeah, he's like, I welcome digress. to the Bean Dad podcast. Today we're talking about Heinz. I try. I gave these to my daughter. <laughs> 
(laughs) We're scoring can openers by how many hours it takes my daughter to figure them out. Welcome to Bean Dad Cast. I think that's what he should do is just own it. Make that his brand. Yeah. This is going to be so relevant by the time this episode airs. Yeah. It's not even relevant now. Anyways... So yeah, that's it. That's that's my segment. Is just uh, ultimately this is a long walk to I say Weird Al should redact this song and uh, pick new targets. Sure, sure, fair enough. Thank you for your time. We have a consensus. <laughs> Marty, do you have a novelty product for us? I do. This week's novelty product is it's a candy dish that looks like a bag, a uh, a bag, like a like a Ziploc bag. It's a glass candy dish that looks like a Ziploc bag. Again, wow. we are just on top of having very good visual products for our audio <laughs> podcast. I mean, well, Kelly, you say that and this is like episode like two hundred and seventeen. I know uh, <laughs> this has been true this entire time. Yes. <laughs> Also, thanks for introducing me. I'm Kelly, one of your hosts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm Scott. <laughs> and I'm Marty. Candy, also called sweets or lollies, is a confection that oh features sugar God. as the principal ingredient. Sweets or lollies? I love the those lollies and those. The, <laughs> the category called sugar confectionery encompasses any sweet confection, including chocolate, chewing gum, and sugar candy. Vegetables, fruit, or nuts that have been glazed or coated with sugar are said to be candied. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate that. <laughs> this week's novelty product, of course, has a quiz segment attached to it. This is called the Candy Quiz. I am going to list ingredients from various oh well-known this feels candies. Like, this is, dude, this is Spoof Scoofs and novelty songs of, like, fucking, <laughs> of, like, fucking August 2019. Come I'm on. I'm into it. Give me these ingredients. Yellow five? <laughs> Red Maybe. seven. I have seven candies. The person who gets the most right wins, and you can guess until you get it. Also, but but go one at a time so that it's not just you know one of you screaming at me the whole time. So candy. If honestly, and and sidebar, if we were in person, I would have prepped. Uh, like you, it would have been a taste test. We'd have done like the Seinfeld taste candy taste test, and you guys would have guessed based on that. That's what I would have done if we were in person, but. Lo and behold. Ah, uh, yes. The very well-known Seinfeld candy taste test. <laughs> it's that famous The famously sound scientific method of <laughs> testing candies. Candy bar number one. This features milk chocolate, peanuts, corn syrup, sugar, palm oil, skim milk, lactose, egg whites, and artificial flavor. Snickers? I'm going to say a Reese's. Kelly gets it right. It is a Snickers bar. The first one goes to Kelly. Candy number two, corn syrup, sugar, hydrogenated palm kernel oil, fruit juice from concentrate, less than 2% citric acid, uh, tapioca dextrin, gelatin, modified cornstarch. Ooh, Scott gets it before I even finish. Wow, okay. It is Starburst. Didn't know we could say. <laughs> you can, you can if you get it. I had it at corn syrup. I knew it. <laughs> Jerry Maguire. And also for Kelly, it does have yellow five as one of the flavors. Yeah, that's one of them. Flavors? Uh, coloring agents. Number three, nerds and rope. Nerds. Nerd rope. rope. <laughs> you tie. Hooray. Yay. Nerds rope. Re and sis and pee <laughs> thanks and for, nut. Thanks for lightening up this segment with that one. Pea and nut and butter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Number four, corn syrup, sugar, ground roasted peanuts, hydrogenated palm kernel oil, cocoa, molasses, confectioner's cornflakes, nonfat milk, salt, soy lezen, soybean oil, <laughs> cornstarch. Take five. <laughs> Not take five. Is that it? Cornstarch was the last ingredient? Uh, the other stuff's not going to help. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> Butterfinger. Kelly gets it. It was Butterfinger. Cornflakes. Duh. Yeah. Yep. Forgot oh. about that. Number four. Sugar. Dextrose. Corn syrup. Partially hydrogenated oil. Whey. Cocoa. Malted milk. Tapioca uh, Three Musketeers. Wh- whoppers. Kelly gets it. It is Whoppers. Damn. Kelly leads uh, three to one right God, now. God, I Seriously. hope my dentist isn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, dark Kelly. chocolate. Soy lecithin. <laughs> nonfat milk. Sugar. Tapioca dextrin. Confectioner's glaze. Cocoa three musketeers. processed with alkali. And raisins. Three Musketeers. <laughs> Three Musketeers. No, dark chocolate covered raisins. Three Musketeers. Oh wait, raisinets. Kelly gets it. So I, I are was raisinets do three... covered in dark chocolate or is it milk chocolate? Dark chocolate. You. I was gonna do Three Musketeers, but it's too generic. It's just like chocolate, chocolate. milk. Yeah, nougat. It's, <laughs> there's nothing special in it. There's nothing special in it. Whipped nougat. I tried to pick ones that, like, at least had one ingredient that was like, okay, this is a kind of a giveaway. I recognize that, and I just kind of went with it, Marty. I just <laughs> kind of, you know, it might seem like I dominated, but you got to respect my strategy, okay? Kelly, you're the quiz king. This last one, however, is worth 3,000 points. Oh, nice. Oh, the, oh my God. Divide that <laughs> by 1,000. I feel like thousand. all my hard work has gone down Divide the that by 1,000. Divide that by 1,000 and add musketeers. That's my answer. <laughs> Corn syrup, milk chocolate, coconut, sugar. Almond joy. Payday. <laughs> Payday. Kelly gets it right. Almond joy is right. Uh, so three musketeers, right? They, uh-huh. what's the, <laughs> I want to see the original commercial for that. Like, tell me, walk me through why this novel and this fucking nougat bar go together. I don't know. It's for another episode. Hey, what's the deal with Three Musketeers? Jerry? You seen this? You heard about this? Hey, maybe that's a novelty product. It's nougat, it's milk chocolate, but it's named after this old novel. What's going on with that? (sighs) That's my way of telling the joke. Scott did his loose You're telling me D'Artagnan likes to eat this candy bar? (laughs) (laughs) Alexander Dumas? That's the writer, right? Of that book? Alexander goes bar. straight do my hips. Am I right with the candies? <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah. hey, are we done? <laughs> yes. Marty, thank you all for listening. Marty, tell your version of the joke as Gallagher. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? You know what mine would be? I'd take out my big hammer and smash the three yeah. musketeers. Hey, Gallagher, did, answer this interview question. Do you like three musketeers? No. Why are you talking to me like this? I can't handle. I'm leaving. No, just answer I the question about this. Well, no, Gallagher. No, I'm leaving. Gallagher. Gallagher. Door open. Door slam. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening, Kelly. What do we, we got? Really next week? appreciate it. We got a sweet movie coming up. It's just one of the guys.